Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hey, and welcome into the latest edition of Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm producer Cam here with you. I'll toss it to David and Eric in just one second as we recorded a live room edition of the podcast. Some awesome question from you, Bravos fans, as always. If you guys aren't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, as well as YouTube. We try to stream our podcasts there as well. You get some of that additional content that you may not get from just the podcast feed. Also, if you want to receive notifications when we host the live rooms, make sure to follow David and Eric on Twitter, at DobrianATL, and at EOF34. Today's episode, excellent questions, as I mentioned before, discussing Ian Anderson's development, what could potentially be added to his arsenal to help him take that next step in his growth? And also, is there any validity to the DeGrom Braves rumors? I know there's been some links talked about between the two. David tries to provide some insight into that. In addition, who's the heir apparent to Brian Snicker and this coaching staff? Who is going to succeed? The man who just won a World Series championship with the Atlanta Braves, David and Eric shared their thoughts on that. And also, Max Freed, that price tag is jumping by the start, by the day even potentially. What could that figure be? We talk about that some as well. As I always say, but I always mean it, truthfully, without you, we would not be here. So we always appreciate the support. And without further ado, here's the 755 is Real Live Room with David and Eric. All right, let's get started. Jeff L., What's up, Jeff? What's up, Jeff? Hey, how you doing? Good. Good. Um, question about Ian Anderson. I, one of the things I've been really impressed with about Max Fried is just watching him evolve over the last few years. He constantly adding you know a new wrinkle. First with the slider a couple of years ago that he could pound inside, but the fastball this year with the for the last couple of years with the changeup. Cole Hamels taught him. What do you see um, that Ian? What do you think Ian needs to add to sort of take his his ability to the next level? Coming out of that arm slot, it just seems like there may be some pitches that would be difficult for him to throw. But curious what you think would be sort of the next step for him. Well, I mean, well, it looks I mean, to me I mean, when I watch him throw like, um, you know, a lot of guys are starting to hunt that change up. And, it, you know, part of it comes down to pitch selection, but you see a lot of guys add in a cutter or something off the fastball that's not a fastball that's a little harder than that changeup. He could throw his breaking ball more. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I watch him, and he he's his control hasn't quite been what it's been in the past, and I think he's been burned by that more than anything. Yeah. But he's one of those guys that, you know, when he first came in the league, he has that difficult arm slot, you know, and it's, it's a different look. So that buys you a couple runs 
a couple of times through the league where guys have to just adjust to how different you are. And I think that's starting to happen. So now it's going to be his turn to mix in something like a cutter or slider or harder break, harder breaking ball, something to get him off that changeup. And I think that's probably the next step for him. It is kind of curious to see how, uh, what the slider would do coming out of that straight over the top arm slot of his. Yeah, that's why I think more of a cutter, just something yeah. that he can just get on the side of a little bit because he's not going to have a big sweeping breaking ball from up there. It's going to have to be more 12-6, but you can you can yeah. throw a cutter from that arm slot with just a little depth to it and a little run to it and just something to get him off his fastball. Um, but, yeah, he's going to have to tinker a little bit because it seems like guys are really zeroing in on his stuff now that they've seen his arm slot enough. I think what you said initially, though, about the uh, command, I think, is the biggest deal because, I mean, look what he's done in the postseason. Those teams have terrific scouting reports on their opponents in postseason, you know. It certainly didn't slow him in the postseason. but Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, if, if he locates and, and, and makes his pitches, he's on. But he's just mm-hmm. – he's left yeah. a lot of pitches. Not much you know, like the changeup's not quite down in the zone. He's hitting the middle of the plate a little more. And that just Not tells me the swings he's getting off him. That just tells me guys are getting used to the look and he has to tinker yeah. a little bit. I think he has less margin for error than other guys because it is, you know, the, the lack of the, that, that third pitch you're talking about. Yeah. Robert G, what's up? How's it going, guys? Good. What's up? Now, I was just curious what you guys kind of thought of the Buster Only report about, uh, you know, DeGrom being linked to the Braves. I know the Braves are pretty hesitant to spend that kind of money, you know, per year. Do you think that's actually something that would happen? You know, obviously, Dansby's going to be pretty expensive now, and obviously, you'd probably want to get Freed and Riley locked up and maybe throw something to Harris. Do you actually think that the DeGrom thing is realistic? Maybe the payroll jumps up? I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Well, I would just... uh I would ask, when is the last time the Braves went after a free agent who was at the top of the free agent market, paid top dollar for a free agent? Right, that was kind of my thoughts too, yeah. And I would have to go back to Greg Maddox, and the pay scale back then was way, way lower than it is now, and they didn't give him the biggest offer. He took less to come to the Braves than he did would have at the Yankees. Right. So, I'm pretty sure um, Freddie's 22 a year was the highest like actual dollar amount per year they've ever given. Yeah. So I was just, I, it seems, I don't know, a lot of people yeah. seem right. A lot of people seem pretty convinced. It just, and it doesn't seem like the Braves kind of fit. So I'm just kind of curious. He wants, he wants to be here. I have no doubt about that. He wants to be here, but him saying he wants to be here and the Braves saying, you know, we're going to go get him. That's two different things. And I have, yeah, it just seems like so, so much risk too. Yeah, with, yeah, with I mean, him, he, never pitched, you know, think, he pitches half a season. You yeah, know? right. Exactly. You have to pay him forty a year or something. That just seems yeah, you know, yeah. Everything that, about that it, other what, than what I think wanting to be here and being a Southern guy, everything else about it doesn't make sense. I mean, they want to rely. They like reliable guys. Uh, they don't like paying top of the pay scale, and he's undoubtedly going to ask for top of the pay scale, um, and. You got to sign Max Freed long term. Right. If you give this guy forty million to come in, and he's basically pitching, you know, we're not. I'm not saying he's not the best pitcher in baseball because he probably is. Although Alcantara, a third sure. of the year maybe if you're lucky. You oh, know? <laughs> but you're going to be paying him thirty five to forty million a year. Then what does that say to Max Freed if you don't give him something comparable? <laughs> when Mac, all Max Freed's done is gone out there and given to you year after year. Now for, he's turned into a elite ace caliber pitcher. So. I just think uh, the Braves could probably spend that money better, and I don't think that they're 
I don't think they're inclined to give a guy 35 to 40 million a year in a long-term deal. Who's uh, especially one who's had his, the track record that the gum has of being, you know, it might be, might be minor injuries, but he's, he's out all the time. It seems like. Right. It also seems kind of odd that it seems kind of crazy to think that they would ever outbid Steve Cohen on that kind of thing. It seems like he would go above and beyond, even if it's not the right move. He's, yeah. he's proven he's going right. to just get what he wants. So. Right. Well, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be here, but a lot of right. people want to be here, especially Southern, Southern, small town, Southern guys, you know, but wanting to be here and, 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 and taking the offer that they would give him are two different things. Right. I appreciate it. All right. Yep. Matthew V. Going back Nothing. to that, I've had Terry McGurk. I've heard, he's has said multiple times to me. I think it was on the record, but he has said how, what that free agency is an inefficient way to build a team, especially pitching. So that just tells you where they're coming from. Yeah, I could only see it if you know he's continues to have nagging stuff this year and gets into a situation where he's forced to sign a really short-term deal, improve his health, but he's not going to want to do that because he's already in his early 30s. Right. And right. even that short-term deal, somebody's going to yeah. gamble that the $30 million or $40 million it costs on a two-year, uh, you know, per year is worth it. I just don't see the Braves going that high. Yeah, and I don't think he'd opt out unless he was sure he was going to get a multi-year deal, you know. Yeah. Evan D. Hey, guys. How are you all today? Good. All right. Um. I know uh, y'all have uh, talked about this a little bit, but um, so with Ian Anderson, his uh, his start yesterday uh, looks looks really promising. <clears throat> now I know this is you know probably a month in the future, and this thing typically works itself out. But say all parties are healthy, when Soroka comes back, do you think he just slides into the five spot and no. they move Ian to like an opener role, or no. do you think maybe they leave Soroka in the bullpen for the tail end of the season and uh? have him start next year with a with strider I, I is, you know, he's pitching as awesome as he is. Right. Right. Um, strider is a different case. I think they'll have to play that by ear. And uh, I talked to strider about it yesterday about, uh, the innings thing. He says it's not a big deal to him because he pointed out that last year, even though he threw like 96, uh, innings in games, he actually said, as he said, you know, it was a longer than usual spring training cause he was at minor league camp and then big league camp. And, um, uh, and uh, he also was with the team throughout the uh, postseason. So he was, so he was mm-hmm. throwing and simulated games as well. He figures he threw about 120 innings last year in his mind. So he doesn't think it's going to be a big deal. We'll see. Um, but they could certainly, if they needed to create a spot uh, and still use him effectively, he was he's awfully Im- impactful as, as a multi-innings guy, you know, like a younger Josh Hader used to do. Um, if they wanted to control his innings that way, but uh, but the, the the more important uh, point of your question is, the Braves have been careful not to do what everyone else is doing outside the organization, which is putting the cart before the horse and assuming that Mike Soroka is going to be ready yeah. to start and go five or six innings because that is a big assumption. Yeah, he hasn't been out even started like a rehab assignment. Point, yeah, he hasn't even started a rehab assignment, and you know, which is going to last thirty days. They've sent him down there like two, two and a half weeks ago, I think it was. If he was ready and they thought he was going to be ready right after the All-Star break, they would have started the 30-day rehab assignment then. You know what I mean? So that just tells me that they're not, they're still not ready to make that, to start that clock, that 30-day clock 
when he's going to try, he's going to have to build up innings, throwing in sim games to even get up to where he could th- think about throwing four or five innings in a game. So, yeah, I'm just not, uh, I'm not at all convinced he's going to be ready to slide in the rotation. Uh, the other part of that, the Soroka to the bullpen thing, for me, is the last thing I'd ever consider with him. You know, coming off an injury like he has, second surgery on it. The last thing I want him to do is ever have to get ready in a hurry or pitch when it's unplanned. I want him to have the whole day to yeah. get his body ready, know when he's pitching and feel good. So I would say that the Soroka in the bullpen thing is not even something I'd consider if I was running the team. Yeah, you can always and you could always do, you know, I mean, one option. I don't think I don't know how realistic it is, but you could also do a piggyback thing, you know, where, you know, you're going. There's so many of these guys going five innings now instead of what it used to be, six, six, trying to go six, seven, or eight. Um, and with Strider, if you need to control his innings, and you know he's not going to throw 110, 15 pitches, you could always piggyback Soroka and him and knock out nine innings with the two of them. So, I mean, that's just one option. Or piggyback him with Ian Anderson, who always see, tends to, to run up pitch counts and get out of there in four or five, you know, with a 100 pitch count. Yeah, and Strider's mm-hmm. shown he can get ready out of the pen. Yeah, right. So I, I actually like that idea. Yeah, the, the the piggyback, I hadn't even, you know, really considered that, but that it does seem like a really unique op. Yeah, and you're saving your bullpen on that day, you know. If, uh, you know, if he's ready, then if he goes, you know, even if it's just three or four innings, you're saving your bullpen a lot and getting quality start quality innings from your starter and him if he's ready. All right, thanks, Evan. Yeah, great, thank you. Andrew G., what's, what's up? How you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, Want to ask y'all a quick question? And uh, Dave, I don't know if you can go in depth on this because of interacting with these guys. But uh, Snit is 66 years old. Ron Washington is 70. Walt Weiss is, is I believe, 58. Bobby retired when I believe he was uh, 69. And also wanted Eric's take on this as a player. If you think about this stuff or not, who do y'all see taking over for Snit? And how long do you think he does this? He's he's a baseball lifer, but when does he kind of leave? And I'll uh, I'll kind of shut up and listen. But I'm wondering if you think. And also, part of that question is, have we gotten to the point where Washington, being 70, is now kind of an assistant uh, for good because of just his age and he, yeah, he yeah. loves Atlanta. And I'll, and I'll shut up and listen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, with Wash, I, you know, everybody kept saying in the off season, they were like. Uh, uh, I think it's pretty much a guarantee. I mean, I'm going to hate to see Wash go, but I know he's going to get one of these jobs. Whereas people in the industry were like, nah, that not not that everybody doesn't love him because they do. But the industry has completely gone in a different direction when hiring managers. Not only do they want younger ones, but they want ones who can be controlled by the front office and listen to everything they say with the analytics and everything. And that is not Ron Washington. No. So, you know, um, you just don't see him hiring you know, Dusty Baker and La Russa being the exceptions. And they obviously, you know, Dust, uh, La Russa is already in the Hall of Fame when they hired him. And, and Bu- Dusty Baker should be and will be. Um, and Dusty's a totally different cat, I know, because, uh, I mean, he's he acts like he's 40 instead of 70. But uh, to answer your question about Snit, he's as healthy now as when he took over the job, you know, f- uh, five or six years ago. And Bobby, you know, had all kinds of hip surgery, knee surgeries and all that. And Bobby was, uh, and you know, it wore the spikes still and, and, you know, lived hard, smoked all that. Um, I, I think Bobby was ready to retire when he did, you know, and, and, he, and not to 
not to be, I, I don't want, want to be uh, callous or anything, but he had a stroke, you know, a year, a couple of years after, at, at, what was it, a couple of years after retiring? I yep. forget now. But, you know, anyway, uh, I think Bobby was um, just the life that he had led in baseball, playing, all, getting all the way to the big leagues, coming up as he did. He'd lived a pretty hard life. And I think Bobby had pretty was pretty worn, worn out when he retired. So, and he also had a front office that he bat, battered heads with, with Frank Wren. So well, he was extremely uh, an intense individual, unlike Snit. Right. Right. And him and Frank Wren butted heads. So every day there was that tension and everything. You don't yeah. have any of that with Frank Wren and Alex. I mean, they could not get along better than they do. And I think, I mean, Eric, don't you think that makes a big difference when that, when the, when the, when a guy's you know approaching 65, 70 years old, a manager, and he has none of that stress involved in going to work and wondering what your GM is going to do. Well, I mean, if you just look at how often you see snit yelling and screaming and uh, you know how, how he is on a day to day basis, he's always calm. You know, even sometimes he'll show he's just tired of something, but he's, he's never looks pissed off and riled up. And of course he does get that way. But right. I mean, I I remember I was watching an old inning I pitched and it was like 13 to one in the ninth inning, and I threw a borderline pitch that should have been called a strike, and Bobby jumped out of his seat and yelled at the umpire. It's on video. Yeah. I mean, Bobby yeah. brought that intensity no matter what the game situation was. Yeah. Um, so I definitely agree with you that, you know, being that intense is a beautiful thing in baseball, but it definitely wears you out. And Snit's a yeah. lot more even keeled. You know, I don't know. He has his grandkids, and I'm sure he wants to spend more time around. But um, that, for me, more he's time. a like, and as long as the team's playing well and he's doing well yeah. and handling things the way he is, I don't, I don't see him hanging it up anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. And he's fortunate in that his daughter lives close by. He sees his grandkids a lot, you know, yeah. a lot more than most grandparents do, even with his job. He's kind of molded this job and where he's been with the Braves his entire life. He's kind of been, has the best of both worlds in that, even though he's a manager, he gets to see his family a lot more than your typical managers do. Uh, yeah. and his kids, you know, his son is in the industry too with Houston. So, um, they're a baseball family. And I think that part of it, he's pretty fortunate. And his kids, his kids are grown and out in, in a way, obviously, and he gets to see his grandkids. So, but I mean, I could see him. I'm just speculating, but I could see as long as his health doesn't take a turn. Um, I could see him doing it in another three or four years. Oh, easy. 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 I could see him doing it till, you know, 70. I mean, look at Dusty Baker. Yeah. And it, I think honestly, the the one thing that keeps your health going more than anything is having something to do and having something right. to chase. And he know, loves he, it, man. Nobody, nobody enjoyed winning a world series more than, than Brian Snicker did. And he has nope. said it. He is, he has openly said it. He goes, my life is so different now. Because I don't turn down anything either. All the offers in the offseason, he said I did everything. <laughs> he loved yeah, it. I'm, after spending so many years in the minor leagues, it's not like Bobby. Bobby was in the major leagues, you know, from way he was only briefly as a minor league manager. And then, you know, he was a major league manager for 30 years. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Kirby Dickerson. Hey, guys. Uh, appreciate you taking my, my time here. Um, just, I want to expand on that, uh, that that Andrew was talking about there about, uh, about Snit. So let's say he, he does hang it up and retire. Uh, after age 69 in two years, is there any way possible that we see somebody like a Chipper Jones or somebody come in like that? Um, no. It ain't going to be Chipper. The reasons that you don't see great players of recent vintage managing now is because they made $200 million when they played. It's not like when Dusty Baker played and they made a fraction of what they make now. Those guys kept working because they wanted to be in baseball. Yeah, but they also had what other side, what other job are they going to get where they make a million dollars, you know, like they do managing baseball. So um, Chipper would have to take, you know, he would have to work for a fraction of the money he used to make and and arguably spend more hours in baseball per day than he did when he was playing. Not to mention all the travel because he's got little kids, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I think like it's a pretty great job to have just the consultant role. And yeah, got, yeah, he had the perfect he had the perfect job, and that was only home games when he was the hitting coach. It was only for home games, you know. Yeah. And he didn't even do that this year because he wouldn't get vaccinated. So, I mean, Chipper's got a lot going on outside too with his hunting stuff and all that. Uh, his companies. Yeah. So, so I just don't see Chipper, even, even though I think he would be a terrific manager. Yes. Terrific. Um. But I could see, you know, he asked earlier about uh, Wash uh, and Wash, like he said, 70. I, you know, if, if God forbid something happened to Snit health wise or whatever, I could see Wash doing it like right now. And for the next couple of years, I could see him moving in. But beyond that, I could see uh, I could see Walt Weiss getting another chance because, you know, he left the Rockies under a bad circumstances because he butted heads with their terrible GM they had. But. He's kind of changed. I mean, he's really ingrained here because he played here. And then as a bench coach, he's been terrific for Snit. And I think they have a lot of respect for him in the front office here. Um, so I could see Walt Weiss getting that chance if, uh, you know, because he's, he's only in his 50s. So, uh, but that's just yeah. speculating. Yeah. I mean, they, 
they could have they could have almost a pick of managers. The Braves that's a that's a plum management managerial deal, especially right now. You're four time champions, and you got these young players signing these long term deals and a new ballpark. I mean, this is a great job. It's a good setup. Yeah, yeah. totally understand. Hey, yeah. just real quick as a parting question: Who's the emergency catcher for the Braves? Obviously, with with uh, Darno and Contreras, who's who's the guy that steps in if uh, you know Mike hits the fan? Goslin. Gotcha. And Snitz and Riley could get back there. You know, he just looks like the catcher, but I think they actually had Riley maybe catch a couple of bullpens at one time, I think. I'm not sure. I forget now, but uh, Riley looks like a catcher. But (laughs) Goslin, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's put the put the uh, equipment on a couple of times to to be ready. for Super Super utility guy there. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Thank you. Jeremy P. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, what's up? What's up? Something for each of you, just real quick, Dave. On the Degrom thing, does that sound at all like an agent floating the division rival as a, a you know as a possibility to uh, put pressure on the team? And then for uh, for Eric, um, if you're Rick Kranitz, when Will Smith comes into the game, uh, what's your? Do you have anything? that you would uh, share with him as far as helping him get through his innings a little bit cleaner. Um, it, you know, we, we nickname him Will the Thrill because he's taken years off our lives when, when we watch him pitch. So um, just just want to get some feedback on that if you would. All right. Yes. The Will Smith thing, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, I feel like, one, it's tough being a lefty closer. Two, it's – everybody knows what he's going to throw. Everybody's sitting on that slider. So a lot of it comes down to the catcher recognizing what the hitter's trying to do, reading the swings. Um, But I I said it a week or two ago that my favorite role for him is a role where he gets a clean inning, you know, where he gets to make his own mess and get out of it. Cause he seems like he's kind of like I was where he can't make a pitch until his back's against the wall. And more times than not, he seems to do it. Um, I mean, I'm sure it drives a pitching coach crazy that it has to be what it is, you know, a lot of times, but it's, it's hard to deny that he finds a way to get it done. And that's the bottom line. So I don't really have any advice for him other than, you know, try to almost, you have to pretend that the base is loaded and nobody's out right when you come into the game and, and, and kick it into that gear. But, you know, that's easier said than done, but yeah, that's, I can understand it's tough to watch, but you got to give him credit because he's got balls of steel. Yeah. Will never had a sub one ERA like Eric did. <laughs> that was the only year I had clean innings. <laughs> uh, an answer to your question about uh, Degrom, I might be mistaken, but I think Degrom himself mentioned that to somebody up in New York. I think that's where that came from. But if not, then yeah, that would be the kind of thing an agent would put out there because it certainly would light a fire under under your current team and under other teams that might not want him to go to the Braves or think that he's available, that kind of thing. But I yeah. think Degrom actually mentioned it to somebody because Degrom is he's he's pretty outspoken about. That. I mean, he doesn't mind people thinking he wants to leave there. Yeah, and if you're the Braves, you're not going to deny that because that's just going to drive the price up for them to keep him if that's their goal. Sure, exactly. Just makes you look better. Yep. Javar R. This is the last one because I got to get down to the clubhouse, fellas. All right, last one. What's up, Javar? Hey, guys. Um, I've got a question about Max Free. Um, 
Well, how, how do you guys assess his value? Supermax, he's a he's our guy. Uh, how do you assess his value? If you look at uh, say Corbin got six for one forty, Gosman, Robbie Ray, Zach right. Wheeler, those guys all five years, one one ten to one twenty. Max is twenty eight. He's our player union rep. I mean, are the Braves going to be willing to pay twenty five million average annual value for him? They better because he's worth it. Yeah, and and good luck going out and replacing him for less money than that. I mean, you got a guy here who's who is the ideal ace in that he makes every start. He had the blister thing years ago, but he's got that under control now. And otherwise, knock on wood, he hasn't had any major injuries. He had a hamstring last year, a groin, but he hasn't had arm troubles at all. He's got great mechanics. He's smart as hell. He works his ass off. Um, he's a model citizen. He's great with the teammates love him. I mean, this you could not mold a better starting pitcher. You know, you could say maybe Scherzer with his fire and all that, how he how he drives the team. But Max, in his own way, is a leader too. And this team, he's a big time leader. And I just think that you bird in hand thing. I mean, you got a guy right now. He's twenty eight. Yeah, he's coming up into his peak right now. And but there's no reason he can't be this level pitcher for at least four or five more years. And I would give him. I would offer him that kind of contract you talked about, five years, 120, something like that, 125. What if he says like six years, 140, 150? Uh, I'd consider it. I mean, I, like I said, he's a, he's he's not only really in great shape, but he's thin and 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 rangy, and he knows how to how, how to stay in shape, but in pitching shape because he he did all the right stuff when he's coming back from TJ surgery and. Uh, and he's followed that routine since. He's got great a great body for pitching. If you watch him, he's really fluid. Um, he lives he lives a clean life. I mean, he's not gonna you know. I, I don't. I think he, he's got some longevity to him. I think. Um, Dodgers are lurking too, though. They're gonna, Dodgers gonna throw some money at him, and that would be a record for the Braves, wouldn't it? Like twenty five million a year. I mean, have they ever paid that much? Uh, Freddie was, you know, low twenties, and that was a long time ago. So, I mean, it's yeah. that's what the pay scale is now, and the Braves have, are having their all-time high payrolls. So, you could certainly fit a Max Fried in your payroll at twenty-five million as your ace. There's no reason why you shouldn't, you couldn't do that. You, you know, the payroll's going up every year, and you got these other guys signed to these long-term, really team-friendly deals, and you've got a couple of young pitchers who aren't at free agency yet. Kyle Wright's not even. You know, he's not even ARB eligible yet. So they're going to be cheap for a couple more years, really cheap. Um, so, and, and you know, I, I, I think Max is a, is a guy that you have to try to sign, to resign. And I think he would take a little less to stay here. He loves it here. I mean, he really fits in well here. And he's kind of one of those guys like, like Freddie was, even though you, you're from LA, you love LA, you went, you grew up going to the games there. Freddie wanted to stay here because he liked having that part of his life here. And then he went home in the off seasons. And I think Max would do the same thing. He loves going home in the off season, but I think he loves pitching here. Agreed. And that's it for today's show, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for those who hopped on the live room, excellent questions. If you would like to have your questions answered by David and Eric on the athletic app in the 755 is real live room. Make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at D O'Brien ATL and at UF 34. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, as well as YouTube. And the next time you'll hear from us will be this Friday, potentially with a special guest. So make sure you're subscribed to us on all those platforms to receive a notification when we go live and when the podcast is posted. 
Thank you all so much. And until next time.